When people went to the theater back in the early 1900s, it was a day-long event. Okay, they had newsreels, they didn't have any way to hear the news. They had newsreels they would show, they had cartoons, they had melodramas, they had short films, they had motion pictures, they had non-talking motion pictures, they had all kinds of things. It was kind of a day-long event. So he, this guy figured, instead of having dead time while they were changing the reels, they would have another projector that would show a trailer after the movie to show what another movie was coming up. So, yeah. Yeah, a nickel, I think, is what it costs to get into the movie, and uh, they got their money's worth. So, that's where the idea of the trailer came from, and they just now have simply moved it to the, you know, the social media, like this, you can go on and trailers and movies that you're interested in. And so, that's where that comes from. But this book, really, is a trailer to the remaining, for the next ten chapters, okay, this book, in chapter six here, Kind of as a trailer for the motion picture that's coming, okay? For the movie that's coming. And so it walks through these uh, these seven years of tribulation. Really, they only last three and a half, we call the tribulation, but for today's terminology, we're going to call the whole seven years, the seventh day of the week of Daniel, and uh, that seven year period that starts when the Antichrist takes over. When he steps into power. Alright? So, the next 10 chapters fill out a lot of the detail, and we'll get to all that, but for today, we have the first six seals broken by the Lord Jesus himself. And we get to see what happens through the eyes of John. So let us read this sixth chapter. And I'll be reading today from the Bible that John has some up here. I'm going to try it for today out of this uh, New King James today. So, Revelation 6. Now I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, Come and see! And I looked, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. When he had opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, Come and see. Another horse, fiery red, went out, and it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth, and that people should kill one another. And there was given to him a great sword. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come and see. So I looked, and behold, a black horse, and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil and the wine. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come and see. So I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and the name of him who sat on it was death. And Hades followed with him. And power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, with death, and by the beasts of the earth. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then a white robe was given to each of them, and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as they were was completed. I looked when he opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, 
and the moon became like blood, and the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind. Then the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up, and every mountain and island was moved out of its place. And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, and the commanders, the mighty men, every slave, and every free man, hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains, and said to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come, and who is able to stand? Whoa! Wow! Well, let's dive right in here. This is very interesting. Uh, very heavy, and yet <clears throat> my prayer is that it won't be quite so heavy when we're done. Okay. Verse one and two. Verse one and two stand for the first three and a half years of the seven-year period that we're talking about of uh, Daniel's 70th week. Notice that this uh, first horse here is a white horse. And uh, don't be fooled, later on in chapter 16, somebody else comes in in a white horse, right? We do too on a white horse. And uh, that would be Jesus himself. But this is not Jesus here. This is one who looks much like Jesus to the world. This is one who has incredible charisma. This is one who is uh, going to take over this planet with his mouth, okay, with his oratory, with his personality, with his brains, okay? This is none other than what we call the Antichrist. And he comes into power, and notice that he has a bow. He has a bow. No arrows. But he's got a bow, doesn't he? And a bow, it's interesting, <laughs> not only does that uh, mean he doesn't have any arrows, so he's not going to be killing anybody yet, really, but he, this also, that same word in the original language, bow also means the rainbow. Remember the bow that came to Noah, remember? So that was a covenant from God that he would never do that again, right? And that leads us to an understanding. In other places in Scripture, we find out that this man, this Antichrist, takes control, and it will not be because he brings covenants. I mean, because he doesn't—he won't do it by uh, power at the beginning, will he? He will do it with covenants. He will do it with treaties. He will bind all nations into peace. He will have the word that they will all believe. And so he conquers, not with weapons, but politically and through diplomacy. And he will bring peace and prosperity to the entire planet for that three and a half years. It will be a fake peace, but it will be a peace. And uh, that will be the longest time of peace that this planet has had. <laughs> okay, but remember that this Antichrist is a great deceiver. In fact, the Jews will believe that he is their Messiah. That's right, they will. His crown that they give, he is given here is, that it is not the crown, not a permanent crown like Christ has, but it is the crown of the winner of a race. It was made out of flowers, and it, is, it fades quickly, is the idea behind it. Okay? It's not a lasting crown. It's a crown for the day. You know, it's interesting Back in uh, back in the beginning of the Old Testament, there there was a guy by the name of Nimrod. Remember him? Nimrod was a hunter with a bow. Remember, he was called the mighty bow hunter, and uh, he was the first leader of Babel, which became later Babylon, right? And uh, Nimrod was the guy who started what we what has been called through history the mystery religion which are still prevalent today in our society, and I'm sorry to say in many churches, or so-called churches. These mystery religions have snuck in, haven't they? 
And if you want to find out about some of that, talk to Diane. She can fill you right in on how some of those are affecting Christianity today. And it's very serious. It really is. But people get fooled. And that's what's going to happen here. He's going to walk in and he's going to say, Hey, have I got the answer for you? And they're going to go, Oh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. That's wonderful. And it's gonna, he's going to bring it about. Okay, he's going to do it. You know, we had another example of, of this uh, kind of person back in the 30s. Remember a man came to power in Germany in the 30s? Who was a man of peace. If you go back and study the beginning of that, we know him for what happened from about 39 on. But from about 34 on, he was a peace leader. Okay? The uh, Prime Minister of England went over there and uh, brought back a peace treaty. He had peace treaties with a number of countries in Europe. Everything was peaceful and wonderful. And they were just going to all prosper together with uh, Adolf leading the way. But then something happened. <laughs> and he changed his tune and uh, started taking over those countries instead of having peace in those countries. Took them over with violence. So there's another example that man would of peace. Now, this peace isn't going to last very long, only two verses here, <laughs> really only one, that's verse 2. Uh, by the time we get to verse 3, that peace is broken. Okay, And this is the horse, the black horse of war. Okay, This is the black horse of war. I'm sorry, bright red, yes. That's right, flaming red. Thank you for correcting me. Uh, at the abomination of desolation, which will happen in the new temple, one of the things that the, as this Antichrist will do to bring peace, especially with the Jews, is to build them a new temple. And this temple will be constructed. They'll start up in their own, they're all doing all their own sacrifices again and everything. And then uh, at the three and a half year mark, he will walk into the Holy of Holies and take over and declare himself to be God. And when that happens, the mask will come off. The mask will come off. No peace after that. <laughs> war. Now war is nothing new. That three and a half years of peace is what's new. Right? That's going to be amazing that there's that much peace. According to one source I studied this week, um, since 3600 BC, 3600 years before Christ, there have been 14,531 official declared wars. 14,531, to be specific. Okay? In all of that time, from 3600 BC to today, we have had 292 years of no official war okay, interspersed in that, in those thousands of years. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in the last three and a half years, however, wars will multiply. Wars will multiply. And ultimately, the entire earth will be involved in war. At, at the end, while well, the Antichrist is, is uh, instituting all that, yeah. At the end, in those last three and a half years. You know, <clears throat> back when, it, even 50 years ago or 100 years ago, this would have seemed difficult to see how this could happen. But you know, today, uh, not just our nation itself has the power to destroy all the life in one hour. We could take pretty much all the life out of the planet in an hour. Um, just in the U.S., we have a uh, that last count, about 35,000 nuclear weapons. And uh, each of those nuclear weapons, at this point, is 35,000 times greater than the bomb that landed on Hiroshima. 35,000 times greater. That wiped out the entire city of hundreds of thousands of people. So we have incredible power right now to take life. You know, nine countries Nine nations have declared 
as having nuclear stockpiles. Nine countries. Do you want to know who they are? There's really only nine that have admitted to it. The U.S., England, France and Russia, France has them, Russia has them, China, India, Pakistan, North Korea, and Israel, although they don't admit it all the time. But they do have it. So war, uh, a global war is not unthinkable at this point, is it? It's not. Back in the days of, you know, muskets, it was difficult to imagine that there could be a world war uh, like this described here. But in this, in the last part of Revelation, but it is very easy to understand today. Very easy. A great sword. Wonder what that will be. You never know what it could be. All right. Verse 5. The third horse comes. And I looked. And I saw a black horse. And it had a pair of scales. Interesting. Now, scales are used to measure, aren't they? They're used to measure out weights of what uh, you get for so what if something is so much a pound, you pay. That's how we used to buy nails. Remember back in the old hardware stores? Load up with black nails. You Still, know, you can do that in some places. Now, the co op in those places, you can do that. Uh, but most places now, you have to buy in those boxes and you know, you just take their word that there's actually a pound of nail there. But we used to weigh them ourselves. And this is the scale that is talking about what happens after war. The first thing that happens after war is famine. Okay, that's the first thing that happens after war is famine and disease, right? Disease and inflation. This is really talking about inflation, isn't it? What's it? How much is it? Denarius. Remember, we've talked about it before. What was that in this day? That was like a day's wage. That's how much you make in a day. So if you have a good job, think about how much you make in a day. Three, four hundred bucks a day. That would be four hundred bucks for a quart of wheat. A lot essentially local. That's a little greater inflation than we have today. <laughs> yeah. However, if you study world history, there are places, even today, where uh, there is no food available. Uh, the shelves are empty. You go to Venezuela, you don't walk into Walmart in Venezuela and find shelves full of food. It's not happening. No, it has gone away, and that's because of the internal war and the massacre of people that has happened in that country within the last few years. So inflation, famine, disease. You know, today in our in our world, today one out of nine, one out of nine go to bed hungry every night. One out of nine people out of the seven point eight billion that currently inhabit this planet are close. Seven point eight billion, give or take, a hundred thousand or whatever. Yeah. Uh, that's our latest count. So one in nine go to bed hungry. And I dare to say that there's nobody in this room or nobody listening to me today that has ever really been hungry like that. We are so blessed. We are so fortunate and so blessed by God to live in a place where food is abundant. And if you can't buy it, you can grow it, right? There are lots of places you can't do that. Okay, we we have no problem with food, but that is going to come. Okay, you remember after World War One, what happened in the Midwest? Because they plowed up all those fields, the Dust Bowl came, took all that all that soil. They couldn't grow anything. There was a famine. Remember? Remember? Famine. Back in uh, Joseph's day, remember in the Old Testament, there was a famine. Okay, lots of famine. And that means that there is no food available. When people don't have food, there's a problem. And that will happen in this in this seven, in this last three and a half years. There will be a lot of famine. 
uh, three quarts of barley. Barley was really what you fed animals with in those days. People didn't eat barley. But uh, here you could get three quarts, it says, for a day's wage. And then it says something interesting. Do not harm the oil and the wine. I had to look long and hard to try to figure out what that might mean. And the only thing I can come up with, because there's all kinds of wild views, is that when you really study countries, and you can study countries around the world today where we give a lot of money to help with aid or good food for the, for the people, you go there and you notice that the dictators that run those countries have a full pantry of them. I wonder how they did that. They keep the money themselves. You bet. And then the people starve, or they don't have any water, but they've got the leaders are taking showers every day, right? The people don't have water to drink. And so that happens often. The rich, the wealthy, the people who are in power uh, hoard that system and keep it away from the common person. And that's really, I think, what it means here. The oil and wine, those were expensive things. And there's no problem for the rich and the, and the, and the power. Okay, they had, they had full access to that. But the common people don't have the luxuries anymore when you get into the family. So that's five and six. Get to seven. The fourth seal, a pale horse. Now the original language kind of hints that that's a green horse, a pale green. Some of your translations probably have that. Um, a pale green horse. And uh, it gets a little, uh, little scarier here. <laughs> this, uh, this pale horse is death and hell. Not a good pair to ride together. <clears throat> Those aren't the two guys you want to ride into your town, okay? On Harvey, you don't want them coming. Uh, and here it says something amazing. It says that a fourth of the planet will be filled by those two. Death and hell. Death will come a quarter of those of the people. Now if we have nearly eight billion people, how many people is that who not? Two billion people. And we have what? About a billion and a half in China right now. So it's larger than the entire nation of China. Okay? That's a lot of people. We think we have a problem when a few thousand people die from a flu. Okay, we think that's a big problem. Well, they haven't seen anything yet. Okay, incredible. So, how will this happen? Not just from the war and the famine. What it says here, it says that it says uh, hunger, doesn't it? Go with the sword, with hunger. That's obviously from the famine. With death. Right? And that comes in many ways. That comes from disease, as we're finding out right now around the world with this uh, pestilence called a disease. Um, it's taking a lot of people. You know, they say that after World War I, if you study the history of that time, more people died from the common flu and from typhoid that were killed in the war. Always comes after a big war. Always coming. What beast do you think they're talking about? What's the deadliest beast that we have? You can take it that way. I'll give you a hint. Something happened in the 14th century in Europe. What happened? The blind play. How was that spread? From rats. Yeah, rats. That's right. You realize that a quarter of the population at that time was taken by that plague? A quarter of the population of all of Europe died from that. The black death. So a quarter had been taken in Europe already. Yes. So is that transmitted from person to person or just by the Just by the, the rats that were everywhere. Yeah. 
Yeah, and destroy the rats. They would bring it in to do the fleas. They'd bring it in, they'd bite you while you were sleeping. There was, and then people would catch it from each other. It just, it took over. It just wiped out. And rats are on every Rats are on every continent. They're in every community. They live in every climate. They are, they are everywhere. Of a roach. There you go. The mammal version of a roach. So, but there's other beasts too, isn't there? Absolutely. And we know that beasts kill. Okay, a lot of beasts kill. I was reading this week about a little frog. And if that little frog bites you, it can kill, kill ten guys with one bite. One little frog. So there are deadly beasts. And that is how another way uh, life will be taken by death and Hades. By the beasts of the earth. Wow. So not a lot of good news here for the people who have rejected God. Not a lot of good news. This is called judgment, which is coming and is in process. Okay? Now in the fifth seal in verse 9, we go back to heaven. We've been he's been watching what's going on on earth, and now we go back to heaven. And we realize that even in the midst of all of this death and mayhem, God is still saving people, isn't he? There are still people coming to the Lord. And that's going to be happening all during this period. Thousands and thousands will come from every land and every tribe and every language, every culture, will be coming to the Lord because they will realize who's doing this. <laughs> okay? They'll realize who's doing this finally. And some people will get it. Many won't, but some people will get it. And here we have a glimpse into that in verse 9, where it says, When we opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar, that's under, right in front of God there, the Father, all the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. These are people who have died during the tribulation period. These are the martyrs who have been killed because they wouldn't take a mark or because they wouldn't obey what they were told to do. And they said, if you don't hail the, you know, this new Antichrist as God off of your head, well then take my head. Okay? Well, they, the spirits of those people are here in heaven. And John gets to see them and hear them. And what are they saying? How long is it going to be till you go down and nail these people? Right? We want revenge. Show us your justice. Show us your justice. And that has been the prayer of people all through the ages, hasn't it? There have been times in my life when evil has prevailed and evil people are in control of my life, whether I work for them or whether I was dealing with them, and they seem to prosper and have no worries. Wasn't that way for me? And I would go to God and I'd say, how long are you going to let this go on? This isn't fair, right? Yeah. I know you've never said that. <laughs> but we can tend to think that, and that's what these guys are saying. It's not fair. Why don't you go out and take care of them? And what does he say? A little while longer. But while you're waiting, here's a little white robe of righteousness. Now, I don't know how robes are going to going to be worn by these spirits. I don't understand that. <clears throat> but that's up to God. One of the things I, I haven't figured out. Because we're not going to get our bodies until we, right, until after this time. So, the, the, anyway, this, he gives them a robe, a white robe, and says, hey, just a little while longer. A little while longer. He's still saving people through his love and grace. <clears throat> people will have a choice, even at this time. That's what we can't forget. Even when things get horrible, people still have a choice. They still have a choice to accept the Lord, and He will accept it. Okay? So far, they still have a choice. Alright? 
the day will come that that's not true. But so far, even when we're going through this tribulation period, there will be that offering to people. And there will be people, many, many people, will come to him. Alright? Yeah. Yeah, In fact, we see that in chapter 7, real quick, I want to peek ahead and just get a glimpse of uh, some people that are going to come to him. We're going to talk about the first part next week, in fact, the whole chapter, but I want to go to uh, chapter 7, verse 9 for a minute. Chapter 7, verse 9, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations and tribes and peoples and tongues, standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne, and the elders and the four living creatures fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Right? So, a multitude of people are going to come that John couldn't even count. That many people are going to come to know the Lord at this time. The greatest revival in the history of the world will take place during this time. While the worst things in the history of the world are going on at the same time. That they go together. Alright? That's right. And I believe, as we do have a little preview of next time, that's why Israel finally realizes what's going on. And 144,000 that we're told about here come to a deep understanding of who Jesus Christ is. Okay? And what they did. Okay? That's where that comes from. It's not the JWs. Don't get confused. We'll talk about that next week. But uh, we'll correct some of that next week. Okay? Now we get to the real interesting stuff in chapter 6, verse 12. Wow. Now, let me go back to the story in verse uh, 11 here. Why are they waiting? What's God's answer when they say, why aren't you dealing with this? Why aren't you sealing this up and wiping everybody out? Why aren't you just taking everybody out? Because there's more to come. That's right. Because God is waiting for your fellow servants and brethren, for everybody to come that is going to come. And only God knows how many are going to come. Okay, that's why many people, if you study prophecy, will say when that last person accepts the Lord, here we go, right? So I've even had people say that. I've had people talk, are you ready to come to the Lord? You might be the last one. Let's get her done right now. Okay? And so I've had that talk like that. And that's a wonderful way to think about it because that's anticipating Right? What Jesus is going to do next, and that's take us out of it. And I'm excited. So the first conversation is. That's right. I'm excited. Alright, so he's waiting for those. Why? Because of his grace. Because of his mercy. Because of his mercy. His grace is truly amazing. That he waits for people to come. Even as evil as the world becomes. Alright, now we get to the crazy stuff here in verse 12. This is wild. I looked and opened the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake. This is not like a little local earthquake. This is like the entire planet shaking. Okay, there's two of these in Revelation. One here and one near the end. And uh, when this happens, it's not just, you know, you don't just have something fall off the shelf, okay? This is made, this is such an earthquake that it creates so much dust, it creates so much in the air that the, you can't even see the sun. You know, we have, we have uh, eclipses now, right? But you can still see light around the sun, can't you? During the eclipse, right? You can still see the light of the sun, even when the moon goes in front of it, you can see that. Not here, it's going to be black. 
sackcloth of hair. Black. The moon is like blood, and the stars fell to the earth. Whether that's meteorites, I don't know. I don't know. But he saw the star of the heaven falling to the earth, just like a fig tree in the winter when it has early fruit, right? Or late, late figs, they call it here, uh, that aren't ripe yet. When it's shaken by a mighty wind, it drops those figs, just like any tree does. Uh, the sky receded, this is wild in verse 14. Then the sky receded as the scroll when it is rolled up. And you say, what does that mean? I don't know. I don't know. I heard one guy say that uh, he believes that, uh, you know, a scroll is one long continual thing, right? It rolls from both ends. Right? We learned that before. Then that scroll is split in the middle, there's a gap. There's a space. And he believes that that's a space that's going to be left open for us to come through at the end when Jesus on his level. That's what he believes. But yes, right? Maybe what he wants to think. I don't have any idea what that means. But I know that we, uh, we're, we're going to see it. It's going to happen. Okay. The earth is going to see it. It's going to happen. The sky is like a scroll when it's rolled up, but every mountain and island was moved out of its place. So this earthquake is so massive that it is moving things around. Okay, and the tectonic They are getting moved around. It's a massive, massive earthquake. Amen. The sky receded, okay. And then what? Who, who gets scared finally? The kings even, the leaders, all the great men. And then everybody else follows them and says, look, we better start hiding. Because they come to an understanding of who is doing this. Said to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. They know who it is. They know who it is. Where's repentance? Still, they don't repent. That's right. That's how hard hearts get. That's how hard hearts get. That's why I prayed earlier. I do not understand how hard we get that hard and that callous to realize that even when your life depends on it, in the next minute, that you will not repent. No! Rip your teeth and roar at People die like that. Today, People die like that today. Gripping their teeth right to the ears. For the great day of his wrath has come, and who is able to stand? Wow. Wow. You know, <laughs> Jesus alluded to this time, and it's interesting that he used the same, basically the same. The same images. False peace, the false Christ, war, famines, death, martyrs, and then global upheaval. If you don't believe me, you go to Matthew 24, and you can study later Luke 21. But let's go to Matthew 24. Verses 4 and 5, Matthew 24, verses 4 and 5. Jesus answered them, they asked, How do I want to know what's going to happen at the end of time? And they're asking. And he says, Take heed that no one deceive you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. Right? And there's a deceiver, right? There's a false peace. There's the same thing we just read about. Verse 6, we have war. And when you uh, hear 
person. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. Alright, so that's verse 6. There's war, famine, beginning of 7, right? For a nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and pestilences. That's disease. And then what? Earthquakes, right? In various places. This is all beginning of sorrows, alright? And uh, so that's all, that's death. All these earthquakes and famines and pestilences are going to be all part of the death that we just talked about. And then we get to the martyrs. In verse 9, then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Right? That's martyrdom. That's dying for your faith right there. Then you go from 10 to 13. Uh, a little harder to understand, but it gets, as you go on through this, you get more into global upheaval. But, and then many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. Many false prophets will rise up and deceive many, and because lawlessness will abound. Lawlessness. What are we seeing today? The love of many will grow cold, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. And the gospel of this kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. All right. So <clears throat> you go on to 15 and on, and you hear about more of the great, the great tribulation. But that is also. Uh, laid out for you by Jesus in uh, Luke 21. You can go through that uh, this afternoon if you'd like to do that and study that same same pattern of end events, okay? Now, in closing, why would anybody want to be here for all of that? I do not understand people who reject Jesus today are people who will reject him in that day. We all need to keep praying and witnessing to all unbelievers in our lives. What we learned about the future of the earth is real. It will happen. It's going to happen. Some of it is starting to happen already, right? Lawlessness, pestilence, Rumors of wars, we've been in the wars constantly, okay, more and more war. That is happening, and it's setting up, setting up perfectly the climate for somebody to walk in with peace, and everybody will go with it. It could happen at any time. But praise God, Either you or I will be taken up before all this, before the 70th week of Daniel. And if I'm wrong, and we die a martyr's death during those years, still we will get to spend eternity in heavenly bliss, heavenly joy, praising God and serving with Him, our Savior Jesus Christ. That's good news. That's good news. Good news. Amen. Let it be. Right? Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us a glimpse of your plan. You didn't have to do that. You wouldn't have to do that. Because of your love for us, and you know the way you created our minds, we wonder about things, Lord. And we wonder about the future. We wonder about things that are coming. So thank you for giving us this glimpse today. We are, we stand in awe. We sit and stand in awe of this future that you have. When billions of people will lose their lives in a short periods of time. We don't know what that's going to be like. 
But Lord, we are so grateful that because we know you, because we know your promises, because we know that you are true and right and just, and that you have covered our penalty for us, Jesus, that we will not be enduring all of that. We'll be out of here, and we are grateful for that, one way or the other. Father, we do pray for you to send this into happening. We pray for this to happen soon. We are ready, Lord, and we are anxious. And we ask the same question, how long, how long will you be merciful and be patient with this plan? We see it deteriorating rapidly, and so we pray that you will uh, you will come soon and you will straighten this out. Father, we we uh, we know a lot of people who don't believe in you. And Father, I pray that we would have the the boldness in these times of fear and these times of confusion to set people down and get serious with them about who you are and about what you have for our future. And Father, if it is the fear of hell and the fear of tribulation, wrath that brings people to you, then so be it. Because, like I said earlier, Lord, I don't know why anybody would want to do all of that. So Father, thank you for your promises. Thank you for our assurance that we will be with you. And Father, thank you for the chance to, like I said, to look into the future a little bit today. Thank you for this book that you gave to John. Thank you for John who wrote it down in ways that we could understand most of it. We appreciate it, Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.